0: listening to a one pint stand a Minnesota craft beer podcast that tells the stories of craft beer in Minnesota and beyond so kick back relax and grab a cold one the show starts now hello and happy new year my name is Dan Bobian and I write produce and host a one pint stand I'm ecstatic that you're listening this podcast has been a passion project of mine since 2016 This is the kickoff episode of 2024, and I asked my good friend Paige Dodora to sit down with me and review and reflect on the year of 2023. We also look forward to what 2024 might have in store for craft beer. Paige is a woman of many talents. She has a blog of her own called Alcohol by Volume, and she's written quite a few things for good beer hunting. She's one of the people behind Houndstooth Modern Tavern, And she's an absolute gem of a human. She's smart, funny, and knows how to bring balance to the Force if the Force is living with a dog and a cat. So, let's head out to the Dodora residence to talk beer. Cheers! Welcome to another episode of A One Pint Stand. This is the first episode of 2024, and... Uh, I don't know. Last year when we did this, we were at town hall. I'm being joined by one of my favorite people to talk beer with, <laughs> the the one and only Paige from Alcohol by Volume. Yes. And we're recording in at the dining room table, <laughs> along with her canine companion. Yes,
1: our brand new dog, Pepin. Peppin. Yep.
0: Like Pepin, the lake. Like the lake, not the Papan, like the. <laughs> That's right. Spelled the French the same. Chef.
1: Not as yes, busy.
0: Yes, right. Uh Pepin is right now about to nod off. <laughs> yes, right. If He's you thought bored. you were tired before, dog, get ready. Because <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna lull you into a trance with captivating <laughs> beer chat. Um, this is fun. I always love to do a look back and a look forward. Not just when I'm on my bike, <laughs> but when <laughs> but when I'm thinking about the world around me and the beer world and uh for as long as I've been Involved with the beer scene, you've kind of been somebody who is always plugged in and yeah, always like kind of knows what's going on, and you always have really uh, interesting uh, thoughts and opinions about beer. So I figured, who better <laughs> to have a beer conversation with?
1: Thoughts and opinions than you. It's like thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. But thoughts but not and quite. prayers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Thoughts and opinions. <laughs> um, so I wanted to kind of start off with uh, thinking about what, in your mind. Uh, kind of pings on the radar of the biggest stories, biggest beer slash beverage stories of 2023 in the last year.
1: I think just the expansion of the kinds of products that breweries can make, are interested in making, and um, market well. I mean, namely THC beverages, although I think non-alcoholics and seltzers are still worth discussing. But... um, one of the biggest stories of the year is that the Minnesota legislature didn't read their, um, proof their memos very closely. And then we ended up with, um, legalizing THG beverages, which I think as Minnesotans, we don't, quite realize how unique it is because whenever I participate in discussions with other national you know beer writers or or people from different states, they always kind of raise their eyebrows when I mention that you can brew beer with like full-on marijuana now. And I don't know the ins and outs, but people are always really surprised that um, Minnesota breweries are not allowed not only allowed to do it but to export it to other states. So, many Minnesotans might not realize that there's breweries around the country who are ordering THC beverages from Minnesota companies.
0: Which is, that's so fascinating to me that we would be on the cutting edge of that. Right. When you think about the sensibilities of people in the state. And I think, I mean, from a progressive standpoint, I think we're definitely on the On the forefront with that, but there's also, like, that weird kind of Nordic-Germanic-Scandahoovian sensibility where it's, like, that just seems so out of character that we would be, like, leading... leading the path
1: especially given our beer laws for so long it's kind of like it took a while to find the gas pedal and now it's like we now we're trying to like rein it in like they're trying to develop laws and rules now I just saw a story today on NPR that they've developed a like a roadside test um, for drivers to tell if you're driving while using uh, THC but um, so beware and don't do that Um, but I was talking to someone in Chicago, um, actually, um, when I was watching, listening to another podcast and she was very surprised that, um, that Minnesota, Minnesota breweries can brew with THC, which I think is funny being only two States away.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. And Chicago, they're, they're kind of usually on the forefront of most, most big trends. Yeah.
1: Like their tap rooms have been able to sell, you know, to go beer in any format for a long time. And we just got that. Was that, was that this year? Was that last year?
0: That was last year. To Where go tap
1: rooms were able to sell um, different sizes, other than just seven fifty and a gal and a growler.
0: Yeah, that's been that's been happening for at least a year and a half. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. But the THC is all all brand, brand new. new, and now it's more regulated. Yeah, which it's I think to be. is good because, as somebody who is is not really uh, familiar or that well versed in uh, those type of activities you know, I think it's nice to have, like, okay, it's a 5-milligram serving.
1: Right. Um, I know that... But you can package numerous servings in one uh, can as long as you tell people how many servings there are. So, like, the concentration can change a lot.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So,
1: there's been breweries that have made, like, those tiny little cans that have multiple servings versus some breweries are doing, a, you know, 16-ounce tall can that's one serving. Or even less. I, I appreciate that Modest has... Um, at least two different um, doses, so to speak. They have one that's even less um, concentrated, probably in the hopes that people want to drink more than one. Most people probably do. Um, But I think the regulation isn't really just coming from the government. I think the ways that breweries have had to kind of restrict themselves or guide themselves is more based on, like, who insures them um, because that's been a struggle as we try to catch up with the new laws. But I think a lot's going to continue to change with... um, the regulation. But it's crazy to think that, you know, I've been working here and there at, at the Briar, and we have THC beverages in addition to beer and you can let someone walk out the door with a THC beverage. That's not considered an open container <laughs> and stuff like that, that you kind of have to think twice You get a little bit of whiplash. Like we're regulating alcohol so heavily and then everyone's just kind of like looking at each other about what to do about THC. But not that I want, you know, I want businesses to be able to make Choices for themselves But it is just so interesting to me That the world of THC is kind of the Wild West
0: Yeah, that, that is that is interesting um, You mentioned the briar Yeah um, I went to the briar the Briar for the first time When was it? In uh, early November Yeah, early November When you, it co- my visit coincided <laughs> with the, uh, the, the new kind of residency yeah. That the Houndstooth Tavern is doing Yeah um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? That was sure. that's kind of a fun thing.
1: Yeah, so the Briar has been around as a cafe for a little over a year, and it's owned by um, Abe, formerly of Chow Girls, and Hillary, formerly of Dangerous Man, um, amongst many other projects of theirs. Um, but they opened the Briar. Breyer- In the hopes that it would always be a bar, um, but they had a struggle, that's an understatement, getting a liquor license. And so they started as a cafe, which is also important to them to have, you know, breakfast and coffee to serve their neighbors, but then they finally got a liquor license over the summer. And yeah, Rick and I, our project was called Houndstooth, if you don't know us, Um, and we were doing a dinner residency there starting in very early November and wrapped up just before Christmas. So that means that Abe and Hillary and their crew were still cooking all the breakfasts and lunches and running the cocktail program and the coffee program. And then we were coming in every evening, most evenings anyway, Wednesday through Sunday to do dinners. And we're hoping to do some more events there starting probably late January into February. Um, Kind of similar, I think, where we'll have regular dinners throughout the week, probably some more events, kind of more um, one-off kinds of events. And I know Rick, my partner, is looking forward to um, introducing some more of his uh, kind of family recipes, Ukrainian background types of recipes, um, and kind of... Leaning into that In the colder months Which I think makes sense So yeah If you haven't to the briar You don't have to wait For us to be back You can go Enjoy Abe's Wonderful cocktails um, One other perk Is that they have A lot of um, They only they, they only have A few tap lines But they have Modest And they have Dangerous Man Which um, it's kind of Like the little uh, Place you can go In northeast If you still want To enjoy Dangerous Man Which I think We'll probably get into
0: <laughs> Yeah Yeah for sure Yeah It's I at
1: think... 13th in Washington So
0: Yeah right on the corner Yep Cute little place Yeah um, I thought that the 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 drinkware, was oh yeah, really the cool. little vintage.
1: they use a lot of vintage glassware yeah. vintage plates. it just feels a little more collected.
0: It was a really cool experience, and so I'm I, glad you I said can't that, wait yeah. to go back so it's
1: very small, it's really everybody kind of knows each other. It's a lot of regulars, which is cute. a lot of industry folks have have stopped by, so yeah,
0: yeah, well, I just thought it was fun to see. Dangerous man. I know. Modest on tap. Yeah. Two cool. two of my my go tos. Um, yeah. the THC thing. I want to let's circle back to that. I think one one thing that maybe I don't know if it's kismet or um, right place at the right time, mm-hmm. but um, it certainly sounds like it has become quite the financial uh, boon yeah. to breweries at a time when breweries need a little bit of a financial B12 shot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think THC, um, just the same as seltzer, is a little bit less expensive to produce than beer, I believe, Um, just the raw ingredients. I think there's different ways to do it, different ways that people are um, using the THC itself, but it's um, a little less time, a little less raw ingredient input. Um, Yeah, I think it has been a pretty... Not not only that, but a way to expand to a different market. You know, as people may some people may want to cut back on alcohol, um, either now or at certain times of the year, or just want to have more variety. Um, THC is a good way to have a totally different product. Uh, but there are some some um, places that won't let you drink both in the same sitting or in the same night. So yep. different breweries are managing that different ways. Some people are just kind of using the honor system. Other people are, like, stamping hands. But that's kind of a little bit of an um, uncharted territory in terms of, yeah. you know, should people really be mixing beer and THC and who's in charge of that.
0: Yeah, I know that right off the top of my head, I know that 56 and Arbiter make you choose. Yep. Um, you know what which direction you're going to go with your evening and then that's all you can yep. you have to stay on that path yeah which i think is probably good i don't know i i don't know how well those two animals play together yeah. at the
1: and i feel like i mean i'm not a big um i'm not a big user of the jazz cabbage in any form <laughs> but uh i think most people who partake in marijuana of any form, typically don't mix it with alcohol. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's what I've heard is people kind of, it's not a huge restriction to have to choose one or the other. Most people kind of know what path they want to take.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I guess there's only been one time in my life where somebody was adamant that when they drink, as long as they finish the night with a little bit of jazz cabbage they don't get sick <laughs> and that person's theory was disproved at about three forty-five a.m <laughs> in my eight person tent oh, no. along the root river at my <gasps> brother-in-law's bachelor river. party and so that was a that was a very interesting yes. time you uh, didn't get him
1: out to the river to <clears throat> do his business in time huh
0: no, he was having trouble with the zipper on the tent. <laughs> We've all been <laughs> and there. And I'm like, oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> and then it was, yeah, it was bad news. And I
1: think people think that there are federal regulations or even state laws about mixing alcohol and THC like, in a beverage. And I don't think that that's actually against the law. I think it's, again, it's a lot of people who are hearing from their insurance companies or from other, you know, um, other interested parties that they shouldn't be doing that. But I think that regulation is kind of a myth.
0: I just saw something today, as a matter of fact, I was at uh I went to Makwa Coffee in oh, Roseville. Yeah. yeah. With my good buddy Charles. Um I haven't and been, but I've heard it's really good. It is really good. It's very cute. Very I ran into somebody I went to elementary school with.
1: Oh, that is cute.
0: And I was like, I don't this is gonna sound weird, was your name Tabitha? <laughs> You've been doing a lot of that and lately. She's like, yeah, well, well, it's kind of how I live my life. That <laughs> <I> should just <laughs> I should just have a t shirt yeah. that says this is going to sound weird, but dot, dot, dot. And (laughs) then I engaged them in conversation. It would save you some time. Yeah, yeah, that awkward introductory statement. Um, But we were sitting there, and he saw something come across his social media feed that said uh, Fair State is no longer allowed to serve their chill state in the tap room room because the building manager doesn't want that.
1: The building, see, there there again, it's another... (laughs) What's the word? I don't know what the word is. It's another party of interest or some some sort of pressure that's really not the law. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't heard that. One of my good friends is one of their reps for specifically for Chill State. I'll have to ask him about that. Was that really recent?
0: I think yeah, he saw it today. So that must have that's been just so like str- so
1: just... that's so strange. Like a building owner. <laughs> that's very strange. Well, it seems like to me, they've been me, plugging along as a successful business for so long. There's
0: more consistency with regulation of superglue than there is with THC, and that just seems really weird given yeah. how big of a thing it is, as far as like mood the ability to alter your mood
1: and as yeah, a and impact, right? Impact, just for example, your driving. Um, one thing I did want to mention actually about THC is I saw. In the last couple of maybe weeks or maybe a month, I've seen that Fulton has been putting a lot of marketing towards like kind of this idea of a guaranteed dose. So I'm, again, not an expert in um, the devil's lettuce, but I have heard that they have a way of determining exactly the dose that ends up in the finished product. And they're guaranteeing that that dose is going to stay on the shelf. And my understanding, I bet someone's screaming at their computer right now, but... The idea is that I think BPA or some of the chemicals that are in the can can absorb uh, absorb THC. Oh. And so kind of the potency over time can change. And I've seen Fulton come out as being very vocal as like, this is a guarantee that, you know, this is going to stay. This dose is going to stay this dose. Sorry, that was not very articulate. But I did think it was interesting and I want to learn a little bit more about it.
0: That's interesting. I wonder how they... <laughs> How do they, well, I suppose you just test it by like different dates of yes. cans and see. Yes.
1: And I don't know if they're using like a different material that they think is not going to impact it as much. Um,
0: How fast do you blow through the bag of Funyuns with this s- right. one week old can, right. six week old can and just like it's very controlled. That's right. Interesting. Get the
1: munchies on and off, you know, you got to keep trying your, yeah. your beverages.
0: I think, yeah. So THC is a very interesting thing that has really kind of blown up here and I know that Um, I think Bob Mm Gallaghan has uh, mentioned several times that um, a lot of states are looking to us for how to implement their programs and things like that, which I think is really cool. Also, kind of another kind of big thing that seems like it's really, I mean, it's been building for, for many years, but people reassessing their relationships with alcohol. Constant. Right on cue, cracking a beer. Yeah, uh, not me.
1: No, I'm just kidding. Right.
0: No, I well, do. Speaking think about of my which, what are you? What are you drinking there? Um, so. I
1: just cracked an Earthrider beer. It's their 1332 Vienna Lager. Oh. My friend Brian picked this up for me when he was up north for the holidays. Oh, cool. And I do love a Vienna Lager. My, I will. I mean, I'm sure anyone who's ever heard of me knows my favorite is Firebrick, but I do like this one too. Yeah. And I heard you just helped brew one.
0: Yes, just at at Modest. Speaking of Modest, I'm drinking a Pretty Metal.
1: Oh, I love that beer. Oh, my gosh. A
0: dark Czech lager. And I brought it in cans, and you happen to have this branded Modest glass.
1: Do you want to hear a funny story about that glass? Absolutely. When I worked at Modest, um, like shortly after they opened, I was there bartending and doing like some beer education. It's called Beer Smarts. It was very fun. This person came to the bar and like no shade, but this is pretty funny. They came up to the bar and they saw us putting those glasses into the dishwasher. And since this is a podcast and not a video, I'll just tell you that the glass that we're talking about is like the glass that's shaped like a can. Yeah. So it's in this case, it's a 16 ounce or maybe slightly more, but it looks like a can. So the top of it has like a little lip the way the aluminum of a can goes towards the seam. And these people were, this, this person was looking at it. And he looked at it and he said to us, and I don't think he was drunk, he said, I wonder how they get the can out of there. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? <laughs> and he goes, you know, after they, after they make the glass, I wonder how they get the can out of there.
0: You're like like yeah. it was like a mole, okay. like a
1: cookie cutter.
0: Move along, Shaggy <laughs> Green. I've heard that And one I before. tried
1: not to laugh, but I, I, think, I think he was completely serious. But we laughed about that for a while. I bet there's <laughs> other folks
0: that work there that remember that. Oh, but. that's
1: great anyway, that's not how glasses are made.
0: One of the things that I've enjoyed over the last couple of weeks on social media is they've been doing this thing with people who work at Modest to draw oh their gosh, logo yeah. from memory.
1: I watch every single one of them. oh
0: my lord. it's pretty funny. one of the people that I had on the podcast in the past year, Bree Smith.
1: yes, Bree yeah. who
0: has a who has a background in graphic design.
1: Did she do the best job quite
0: quite talented art no she was like, uh Oh, I don't. Kale? Think, <laughs> there was. Th- I don't even that think it one, was an M. Chops had a very oh. tough time with it, but oh. I, I mean that's fun. They're that leaning is, that, into
1: it. You know, that's another. That's a, actually, I think that's a trend worth talking about. Is really creative beer marketing. I mean, when you see it, you really know you see it, and it's really fun to see like people getting creative with the way that they do their marketing. Modest is a great example. I think um, you know, there's kind of those well-known like beer TikTokers that. Are just so fun. They take uh, beer marketing outside of the box. So I did appreciate those videos. They were very fun.
0: Yeah, they're good. I think anytime a brewery, you know, lets lets you in behind the curtain for sure to kind of like show off some of the personalities or just like some of the people there. I think why don't people do more of that? It's such a fun way to engage. People
1: feel like they have to be all buttoned up and perfect, but I look at some of the videos like Little Thistle does, some of the silly antics that they get up to. That's always funny too. Yeah. They
0: yeah. have the interview series that they used to do. Yeah. That's a good one. Between <laughs> I think they call it Between Two Fermenters. That was, a, <laughs> that was a that was a that was a nice one. Yeah, I love it when, when uh people do that. Um I Lupulin always they'll every now and again do a pretty yes. hilarious video. Of the the mad scientist Mike and making their cre- their creations and different things like yeah. that. Um, ben but Paddle's
1: I, pretty fun too. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not quite as silly per se, but still really creative.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. Um, the idea and, and it kind of flows into it, but you know, having THC beverages available in tap rooms, I would imagine, makes it a lot easier for people to still feel like they're part of the beer community when they're going out to different tap rooms definitely it feels like to me quite a few breweries have those options yes it's if they're growing. not making them themselves they have them available
1: it's growing and some breweries are even offering like gummies or like products that other people make because that's again that's allowed it's not like beer where you have to make every alcoholic product that you sell yeah um, unless you're a brew pub it's really it's really growing and it's making it a little bit more accessible for sure
0: I and I I want to I think it it makes it easier uh for people who maybe are wondering about it to still feel good. And I don't know like I think that's really good um to be more I mean a lot of craft breweries want to be inclusive and this is just another good way to do that, but also with the um kind of upswell in quality NA yes beer options. There's so many different things out there definitely then even a couple of years ago yeah. i remember last year around this time i did a story on dry january and i went to dabbler depot yeah i was blown away by the number of options that they had not only just na beers and wine and a cocktails yeah um the other night when uh i was out celebrating anthony jennings's birthday oh, anthony, at the red birthday. rabbit happy birthday um One of the people there ordered an N.A. Old Fashioned. Wow. And I had a sip of it. I'm like. At the Red Rabbit? Yeah. And so it was, I mean, just, you know, non-alcoholic. Bitters looked like an Old Fashioned. I even had a sip of it. It tasted good without. I mean, the only difference, obviously, was like the. The body. The body Mm -hmm. and the, the, the minus the visible note of alcohol but yeah, i'm like if you're warming. going after that taste oh yeah not bad
1: there's a really cool and the, i don't i think they opened earlier than this year but there's a very cool non-alcoholic um bottle shop if you will called marigold over on nicolet um in here in south minneapolis and they have a second location as well i think in st paul and their whole store is non-alcoholic but it's a whole mix so like you said it's It's beer, it's wine, but it's also like adaptogenics and like mushroom based beverages, THC beverages um, and other like, I don't know if they carry non-alcoholic spirits per se, they probably do. Um, And just like teas and other kind of more sophisticated beverages that aren't necessarily like alcohol removed. Most of them never had alcohol to begin with, but it just kind of takes the sophistication level up a notch where you feel like you could bring a bottle of something to a party or gift a bottle of something that's... You know, not alcoholic, and I know we use them for some pretty complex wines. Um, we, my husband and I, we did a a beer dinner at our church, um, and we wanted to do some pairings that were non alcoholic, and we did some wines from them, and it was really nice to be able to sample them. And um, I think it you wouldn't you wouldn't drink it and think, okay, this is non alcoholic wine, uh, but it's just a beverage unto itself.
0: Yeah, I just think it's fascinating The just the overall quality, and now. Variety of options, um, kind of just like there is with craft beer. You know, there is so many different things to choose from, and there's there should be, in theoretically, if a liquor store or a bar is having the right stuff on tap, there should be something for everybody. Yeah, and I like how that extends to people who are maybe taking a break or have moved away from alcohol, so they can right. still be part of that social scene. I think that's a that's a good twenty twenty three felt very much to me like a year of you know, trying to bring more people into the fold yes, as, as, from an, an acceptance standpoint, which I really like. Yeah. Um,
1: I think a lot of credit for the quality increase in the non-alcoholic beer scene is probably goes to ABV Technology. I mean, yeah. they're one of the major companies nationwide, really, that's removing alcohol from an existing beer. So their technology you know, spits out a, a beer that's de-alcoholized and then um, also kind of a seltzer-like product. But most breweries are using, a lot of Minnesota breweries are using ABV technology in order to create a beer that's alcohol removed instead of brewing something that never had alcohol to begin with. Yeah. And so I think that's part of why we're getting a product that's much more akin to beer. And it tastes, Mm -hmm. it's much more satisfying. The body is better. The flavor is better. Um, So hats off to Ben and his team. I think it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Now, one thing I wanted to kind of talk about, and this is, I guess this has been more of a story in previous years in different areas of the country, but this idea that we are getting close to a saturation point when it comes to craft beer, and maybe kind of, like, is that a real thing? Is it... Um, you know, do we... In Minnesota, we had... I would say an uptick in brewery closings. Yeah. Uh, maybe more so than previous years. And I just wonder um, how... Like, how serious is it? Like, the if 2023 was a canary in the coal mine, um, is it... Should we be worried? I mean, we also had... A certain number of breweries that opened or expanded or expanded and so I guess one of the things I wonder about is how do we how do we quantify that like what what does it mean um and I think a lot of everybody has different opinions on it people within the industry they know way more of the financial aspect of running a brewery than than I do yeah um I think one thing that is for certain is that COVID was a big factor in, um, you know, just like the financial difficulties and how people came back from it. I don't think the, obviously the government, you know, shutting things down was really hard and probably disproportionately affected um tap room only obviously yeah, since you can't mm-hmm. sell beer out your front door back then um what do you think when you hear somebody say yeah craft beer is dying do you believe it
1: i mean i think it's not so much a bubble bursting as it is just increased competition in the marketplace is one factor i don't i don't really know if that's equates to a bubble bursting Um, I'm no economist, but I really felt like going... I kind of had a feeling that coming, quote-unquote, out of COVID would have been harder than going in because I think people's attitudes about how they spend their time and their money has really changed. I think you have to capture your audience more so than just existing. used to be kind of enough to get people through the door. Um, And part of that is because there are more choices, more choices not just for tap rooms, but more choices for beverages, like we've been talking about. And it seems like breweries that have more choices are probably faring better. Um, But there's also some factors that I don't think are really necessarily related to the number of breweries so much as um, kind of the state of things. I think there's a bunch of breweries that opened in the 80s and 90s nationwide that are seeing those owners want to retire. You know, we saw that with Bells. Um, we've seen that with other breweries on the coast, where they don't really have someone to secede them, so to speak, and so they decide to sell. Um, maybe not so much here in Minnesota, but I think that's something to consider. Um, in addition to increased costs, which I kind of you kind of touched on, but yeah. increased cost of raw ingredients, but increased costs of aluminum, and increased costs of fuel, and just what it takes to get a beer in your customer's hand—labor, everything has just become mm-hmm. more costly. At a, probably a faster pace than it has ever since, let's say, the Surly Bell was introduced.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think there's, there's a lot of different things that have all kind of come to a head at the same time. Exactly. But when I think of, like, a bubble bursting, I think of, like, all of a sudden, it's like pandemonium. Yeah. It's not that. No. We've had um, more than a couple of breweries that have closed down in the last year, but there isn't one thing... It's not one particular thing that's happening to every place. Right. If you look
1: at the closures, I think... I mean, I'm not an insider on any of them, but perhaps one. I think that there's not... The same reason across the board, yeah. which is a little bit reassuring. I think some were some, you know, I mean, Dangerous Man, I think was a conscious choice to completely change their business model and get their lives back again yeah. and not have to run this big machine that is a tap room in Northeast Minneapolis. But the brand's not gone. They have already right. kind of buoyed their other plan for distribution before they closed the tap room. I think that's really smart.
0: But. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you know, people who started a brewery, Thirty Some years ago yeah. Are retiring Mark Stutroot of That's right Of Summit Brewing Is stepping down In yeah. March of 2024 Right He's retiring Not stepping down That's th- Those are two different things Sure Retiring is like Yeah um, He's
1: riding off Into the sunset on He's
0: gonna Do whatever he wants to do With his time And Right Um and yeah, I mean, that's the one thing. If there's nobody to take over, and this probably happens with a lot of family businesses.
1: I'm sure. You
0: know, I'm sure, like, like
1: we, we're talking about beer because we know beer. Yeah. But I'm sure the same could be said for a lot of other industries.
0: Jim Bob Cooter's Toys. furniture upholstery exactly. services down right. the road. Uh, but you,
1: I think it's also because what other industry... Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but what other industry... Has cropped up so quickly with almost exclusively small businesses, and has served a product that really has to be either sold across a bar or sold in a three-tier system. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just unique. Beer is unique in that way that um, I can't I can't think of another industry that's
0: saltwater taffy in the early '80s, <laughs> but then that, <laughs> that became rollerblades. That became exactly yeah. But no, man, you're did right. The patents go
1: quickly <laughs> you're on that right. one.
0: You're right. I, I mean, and that's a that is a thing. It's so Uber specific and it's, it's hard not hard to like,
1: compare to any how who could have modeled it?
0: Yeah, nobody really. And so that's I I mean, maybe that's part of it. It's like you it's harder to find a a successor where like really anybody with a business degree could take over a company and probably make a go of it. Yeah. One of the breweries that closed, um, Lakes and Legends. Yeah. They <clears throat> I think it'd been around for eight years. Had a really nice spot.
1: Really you know, ideal location. Really ideal location.
0: Spacious. Yeah. Um, tons of people. Built-in I mean, people, at the really. ground level of a huge condo.
1: Surrounded by other condos and apartments.
0: A lot of money over there. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a kind of like a lot of affluent people in that area. Right. You know, and... But then you, also
1: that comes with challenges. You know, yep. not, no no parking, really. No... um no ability to really have a true patio. I mean, I'm not trying to right. say that they had a ton of limitations, but I think there is some drawbacks, too, to being in that location.
0: Yeah, and um, I guess from talking to a couple of people that were very kind of close to uh, a couple of staff members there, you know, their ownership, the... Um, was
1: from out of state.
0: Yeah, well, they started here, and then they kind of moved out to California mm-hmm. and were still kind of running it. Um, the, it was. It's my understanding that the, that the owner... Who moved out to California and I think the owner's wife, they were kind of the, the primary financial oh, okay. members of the yeah. ownership team. And then there was an owner who was still here, yeah. but less of a, more of a kind of like boots on the ground type of thing. Sure. I don't know if you can really run a brewery if you're not there all the time. There are a lot of things. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot yeah. of like things that change. And to understand kind of like the vibe, um, who's coming in, what they want, Yeah, you can't do that remotely. Do you, you can... think
1: that the customer cares? Do you think that the customer knows?
0: You know, I'm not sure. That's a good that's a good question. I think I mean,
1: I think the customer knows if the opposite is true. Like if they're <laughs> if they're talking to the owner and they probably, you know, feel really connected to that business.
0: Yeah. And I think at Lakes it was more like, you know, there a lot of their staff was there, like the yeah. the uh, I always saw Kyle there hanging around. Yeah. And so like there were there was al- there were always people to talk to, but like not people writing the checks and maybe you know, on paper if like your, your staff is telling you, hey, we need this right. thing and it's going to cost this much, but this is why it will work. And you just see it as a line item on a spreadsheet. Yeah. There, there's, there's no like understanding of how will this benefit sure. if you're not there all the time. And so I, I wonder how much that played into a role. Of, of maybe a little bit of a disconnect between yeah. like what was actually happening um from like a business standpoint and then like just looking at it um you know as a, from a from a budgetary right. standpoint, I also think it probably the rent yeah there was yeah, probably astronomical I'm sure it was probably fifteen twenty thousand right. dollars a month
1: right I mean I think that's something to think about is breweries <clears throat> that don't own their buildings or their spaces that's a huge huge risk
0: yeah yeah and I think one of the one of the things I mean there, there, it's this is no secret that for early on uh, up until probably about three years ago th- the beer was inconsistent
1: yeah and I think they really lacked an identity and yeah. I think those two well, they wanted they together... wanted to be
0: like the Belgian right
1: they opened brewery. as kind of a Belgian brewery which let' say what you will about you know how difficult that is to do but then to try to kind of pull away from that is, I think is even more confusing and then yeah. just kind of make you know a whole mix of styles and blends and yeah I definitely it's not a beer that I sought out in the liquor store at all.
0: Yeah and I think once the narrative gets out that you're not making good beer.
1: That's really hard to fix. It,
0: it's, it's really hard to fix. I remember um, you know this was a number of years ago when 612 was having yeah. all sorts of issues and Kelsey was one of their sales reps, and mm-hmm. she'd be on beer people like taking people uh you know mentioning you know one on one his like, hey, our beer has changed, come on into the tap room, let me buy you a beer when there was a there was a period of time where it yeah. got better, but it never but really like, sustained the once once it's out there, it's yeah. really hard to get people to come back, especially after a couple years you know they opened in twenty fifteen so you know, yeah. maybe twenty seventeen the beer's kinda really gone downhill. Well now think about this was something I was talking about. To to get there, unless I had a specific thing yeah. to do at Lakes and Legends from my house in St. Paul. Oh yeah. I'm driving by seven, eight breweries right. at least that from a quality standpoint a couple of years ago yeah. were all better right. than that. So
1: that's why I think it really is the it really is a competitive market, and I think that's now that I think about it more is different from a bubble bursting. Um, you know, our f- good friend Aloe, who runs the craft beer concierge out in the Boston area, he was
0: certified system. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, big deal, big deal. He was on um, Greg Washington's podcast, or I don't know. Oh, we yeah. Call it a podcast. It's uh, like a Facebook Live. Yeah, his, you know, his beer program. Yep. And um, Brothers and booze. Exactly. Brothers and booze. And he was, Allo was sharing how um, it's not just enough. I think this is what he said. Maybe I'm paraphrasing too much, but it's not just enough to have good beer or a good tap room. You really have to have both. Yes. And I completely agree. And I think in order to have really good beer and a really good tap room, it's really about the customer experience. Like you were saying, if owners are disconnected, it's really hard to um, kind of have a clear vision. It's hard to have an identity. Um, and, you know, I think with COVID, we all learned we can drink at home. You know, we can probably yep. drink at home too much. Yeah. Um, but to go out to a tap room, to want to put, you know, my coat on in the <laughs> wintertime and really go out to a tap room... There has to be really compelling beer and a really compelling experience. It's not unlike a restaurant. It's it, we used to be, you know, as when the taproom laws changed ten years ago and Fulton opened, closely followed by um Harriet. It was like, okay, those are the only two. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And now a tap room, you know, it's just as competitive as where are we going to eat on a Friday night? Right. And you really have to draw people in, whether that's through events, whether that's through a specific beer release. But the market is so saturated that you really have to have all of those things.
0: Yep. And even if you still do, even if you check all those boxes, people's habits have changed, like you said. Completely. You know, and I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's COVID related, but I, I do think that like, I used to go out to eat way more than yeah. I do now. And, and way more
1: spontaneously.
0: Right. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, let's just go grab this from here. Right. And now, you know, if I go out to eat, it's more of a purposeful plan thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is not something I can make in my yeah. own kitchen. And I'm really craving it. So like this Friday, I want to go here. I
1: probably made more dinner reservations <clears throat> since like 2021 than i have in my life prior yeah i mean it's just so much more calculated yep. my decisions are much more calculated i look forward to them maybe not quite as much with beverages but still i mean i i, I think we're all much um less likely to really overbook ourselves and much more likely to say no when there's yeah. events that overlap and yep. that's a big i think from my other friends in the beer industry i think that's a big difference
0: yeah yeah, so it'll be. I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think the bubble has burst. I do think we are getting to the point where like people have less of a tolerance for mediocre product.
1: One hundred percent.
0: You know, like and I if, think
1: the customer is getting more educated.
0: Yeah, which is a, and a, has more choices. It's a good thing in the long run because you know if you are trying to here's a you know a brewing analogy if you're trying to have your healthy yeast. You want it to be vibrant and, you know, like sometimes like the the bad yeast cells need to drop off. That's right. And I think that's what's happening as our craft beer, local Minnesota craft beer scene matures is it's just the bar is getting higher. Yeah. People should expect more. People should expect
1: more. People shouldn't expect to be experimented on anymore.
0: When I'm going to prize and I'm paying $11 for a beer, I want that beer to be amazing. And... More often than not, sometimes it's like, oh, well, that was a disappointment. Yeah, a, I'm not saying specifically about price. No,
1: I know, but like, I know it's just that that sensation of like, not what your dollar is worth, but it's almost more like what your energy is worth, and that anticipation, right. that excitement of like wanting, just wanting a quality product, and yeah, it's not unique to any one brewery at all, but just the desire to spend your time and your money and your energy and your happiness wisely
0: yeah yeah and i think that i think that is a byproduct of covid that we have as humans we've reassessed what we're willing to put up with and what we're not right and i think that like there's certain things that are like nope i'm not even gonna do that anymore because i know it will aggravate me so i'm just gonna (laughs) let it go like trying to trying to find parking downtown Minneapolis on a you know <laughs> That's right. on a Vikings night Day. On, yeah yeah so I it'll be interesting to see what happens I think that um I think it's it's hard right now obviously you know we're 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 recording this on the fifth of January yes so I mean January is a tough time January and February are really uh historically difficult times for bars breweries distilleries wineries yeah everything under that uh, restaurants under that umbrella and so you tie in, you know, how people are maybe trying to be a little bit more health conscious, take a break from alcohol, and do all sorts of stuff like that. Um, something I saw came across this uh, Beervana blog, yeah. Jeff Allworth.
1: Jeff Alsworth, yeah, he's the, really, really great. Uh,
0: Allsworth, that's right. Yeah, um, really
1: talented writer.
0: He's calling it... Wh- what phrase did he come up with? I don't like, know. pub January?
1: I, did, I missed Instead that. Instead of
0: dry January? The idea being... Let me pull up the because I don't want to... We're
1: going to use our technology (laughs) uh, so that we don't sound like idiots. No, Jeff Allsworth is an incredibly talented writer. I love his book. Like one of the originals.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Um...
1: I'm and you know, it's while you're Googling, I'll, I'll <laughs> beep, buy you some boop, time boop, beep, here. Boop, <laughs> um, you know, it's funny during COVID, we all learned how to like homestead again, right? Like a ton of people were making sourdough. And I thought it was interesting that I, we, I, we, I don't know, maybe everyone did not see an uptick in homebrewing.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> this came up yesterday yes, when we were brewing it's starting the starting to
1: come up more.
0: At Modest, we're like, well, you can't, there's no brick and mortar. I know for Midwest brewing you used to supplies, be able to there's go no brick and mortar supplies. for uh, what's the northern <laughs> brewer, northern, northern brewer. Sorry, I may have just had a stroke. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, and I was talking to um, somebody in BCC, Wes, who is an avid home brewer. Yeah, and I'm like, Wes, how do you get your stuff now? He's like, I have to order it
1: exactly. all
0: online, and he's like, I, I was kind of used to that. I was ordering hops from like Yakima. Oh or yeah, sure, but like. There's a very tactile kind of experience when you walk into Northern Brewer. Um, yeah. I, I know this from years of having to troubleshoot gas issues with my kegerator. <laughs> you think I'm making it up, folks, but CO2 is a wily issue. Those
1: of, kind of gas <laughs> those issues. Those
0: kind of gas issues. Yeah. For other gas issues, I recommend uh, CVS. <laughs> um but you know you can't just like do that, and you have to I wait. Know. And it's like I loved going into like their grain room and just like smelling absolutely, and like you could taste it's a sensory you know? yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's like taking that out of the equation. I'm yeah. Speaking of worried, t- speaking who's of- gonna stumble upon that hobby? Knowing I know when you there's know, no brick so and funny. mortar places. The, uh-
1: Speaking of talented writers Kate Bernat just wrote a piece about um, Homebrewing and how it's quote Decoupling itself with cra- the craft Beer scene and I haven't read it all But I I, I do want to go back and take a closer Look at it because I think it's an interesting Concept about who who is Homebrewing what's the audience for homebrewing And now that we don't have to Make beer in order to have Small batch beer or we don't have to Make beer in order to taste what a California Common is yeah. what does that mean for The future of homebrewing
0: Yeah. Okay. I found the article. Great. Because I was running out of things to talk about. Um, In 2024, how about pub January? Yeah. So um, I'm going to read from this article here on the Birvana blog. Um, In recent years, January has become a time for alcohol fasting. After the boozy holidays, it makes sense to take a break. The thinking goes. And after all, who wants to go outside in the dead of winter? Like you mentioned here in... uh... I
1: mean, I will. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't want to dissuade anyone from finding balance in their lives, though dry January may not be the best way. But beer fans might consider the broader implications of skipping a month of pub going. January is a terrible time for pubs and tap rooms, even in normal years. This year, when drafting sales are projected to be 2 million barrels below their 2019 baseline, the situation is especially dire. Yeah. Breweries and pubs never fully rebounded from the COVID pandemic, and the longer malaise lasts, the harder it is to survive. A record number of breweries closed last year, including some historically important ones. Another bad winter will inevitably lead to more closures. To survive the lean times, independent pubs rely on the fat of summer to carry them through the winter, but that's harder following anemic years like the one that just ended. Breweries, meanwhile, count, uh, count... on the fat margins of draft sales to shore up their overall revenues. Because of inflation and rising costs, small breweries have watched their margins narrow to almost nothing on their packaged beer sales, mm. making their draft volume all the more critical. Um, at least, finally, at least in the northern latitudes, the tourists stop arriving for vacation. All this makes January, even without the national effort to avoid booze, a rough month. So this idea of make this month pub January. Stop in for a quiet pint, grab dinner out, spend the afternoon playing a board game. yeah It doesn't really matter what you do, and you don't even have to drink alcohol, but if people kept up their July pace of pub going, it would make a big difference. So kind of the idea yeah. that like even if you are doing dry January, like we just mentioned, mm-hmm. you've got THC, you've got NA offerings. Yeah, and in s- some places, food. Still go right. and try to support them because it is a very difficult time and i thought that was interesting it's very polarizing you know and i can see both sides I, I i totally understand you know taking a break from it obviously if you're drinking alcohol all the time yeah it has a negative effect as much yeah, as we I don't really I want to talk about, about that too. but like you know i noticed like sometimes i i'll try to you know if i'm like wanting to either save a little money or just, like, cut back to get to the gym more. I notice, like, when I don't drink, I sleep better. Yeah. You know, it's easier to kind of, like, get up and do things. And so...
1: Yeah, I think my encouragement is probably to make more sustained behavior changes. Yeah. Not that, you know... I mean, if you want to like you said, you can see both sides. I think it's good to reevaluate your real relationship with alcohol, and if that means stopping for a month, if that's a good kind of check-in for you, that's great. Um, but I think it's just the same goes for cutting back, you know, on food or making any sort of lifestyle change. It's really more about small goals that are more of a sustained um, kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And for me, when I think that I feel like I've been overindulgent. In, in any type of way, I try to take small, measurable steps yeah. to change what I'm doing instead of, um, you know, doing something kind of cold turkey, so to speak. But, you know, for some people, alcohol is different and it does need to be cold turkey. And yeah. I'm, I'm, not, no, am, I'm in no way an expert on, um, you know, alcohol use. But for me, I think instead of taking a whole month off, I try to just make changes in, you know, am I just reaching for that beer because it's a habit Or could I, you know, can I split this with someone? You know, those sorts of things where I don't feel like I need to keep drinking just for something to do. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think, like, for me, sometimes it's like, oh, instead of getting the full pint, let's exactly. get the 10-ounce.
1: I almost always look for the smallest, <clears throat> yeah. the smallest size. And I also, I was telling Rick, especially when we travel and we want to go to multiple places, which is, you know, when we travel, we like to seek out beverages and food. I'm constantly looking for, like, the lowest alcohol options. So I yeah. love when breweries have really good, very low alcohol options, you know, like in the threes and fours. That's just so pleasant to me to be able to have... You know, a half a pour of something that's low alcohol, that's great. You know, yeah. it means I don't have to feel like um, I'm being unsafe or I have to go home
0: early. Yeah, so that's kind of an interesting thing. The pub pub January. I like that idea. Well, why don't we take a little break? Yeah. Um the Canadian chef has walked in and <laughs> <laughs> we have to I wanna wanna rattle his cage a little bit. Yeah, so, you gotta do that. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk about some of the uh craft brewery openings and closings that have happened in uh, 2023 and maybe look forward to our hopes and predictions for 2024 (laughs) and you are listening to a one pint stand hey thank you so much for listening hopefully you're enjoying a one pint stand my aim is to help spread the word about craft beer enjoying craft beer is a passion of mine and i love chatting about it with other people a one-pint stand has a goal of helping breweries tell their stories. I love to get out in and beyond Minnesota to visit breweries, beer bars, and meet other interesting beer people. If you are also into those things, you probably want to keep tabs on the show. So go ahead and follow a one-pint stand on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We would also appreciate any and all positive reviews on Spotify and iTunes to help make it easier for other craft beer listeners to find us. If you like reading about craft beer, I started my own blog, and all of my writing can be found at aonepintstand.com. After eight years of writing as editor-in-chief at Beer Pluma, it was time for me to start my own blog. So make sure you check out the blog for some interesting craft beer content of the written variety. I truly appreciate you listening and taking time to enjoy our stories. Now... Back to the show. And we are back here on a one pint stand. This is kind of a year-in-review edition with Paige, who has a lot of insights (laughs) on beer, food, coffee, and how to how to Maintain a Dog and Cat Household. Yeah, that's
1: uh, that's new for 2023.
0: As somebody who grew up with the teachings of Garfield, I would <laughs> not have imagined that a dog and a cat could get along so well. Well, but...
1: it's really a frenemy kind of... I mean, they fight... I mean, there's a reason that the phrase is like, like dogs and cats. Fight like dogs and cats. Yeah. Cats and dogs?
0: Cats and dogs. Anyway, that's what it's like. I think it's, it rains um... cats and dogs. They get along like dogs and cats. <laughs> it's a... Well, it's it's getting better
1: day by day, but I will tell you they're they're brothers for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: So in the first half, we talked about kind of like some of the big stories from 2023. Mm -hmm. And now I want to kind of talk about, um, if you remember back to last year, we talked about some of the breweries that we're going to be opening. Yeah, And um, we mentioned Wandering Leaf in St. Paul and Hackamore out in Chanhassen. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also were talking about Paddlefish. And rail works. Yeah. Well, fun fact Paddlefish just, yeah, just I think opened. they had their I opening, like soft opening or something. Maybe. Um, they're
1: as, in St. Peter, which is one of my favorite little small towns yeah. to visit. Yeah. Home yeah. of
0: the Gustavus
1: Adolphus College? Yes. They're Gustavus Adolphus Home of Adolphus. the Governor Drum and Bugle Corps. Oh. And I hear that right across the road from the brewery <coughs> is one of my favorite Irish pubs, Patrick's. Ah, cool. Yeah, a little shout-out to St. Peter. That's exciting. I do want to check it out. I think, you know, the idea of a small-town brewery, kind of like having your hometown craft brewery, is a very successful model. I mean, I think it just draws in such a loyal fan base. And I'm not saying that like there aren't loyal customers in the Twin Cities, but I, I think I noticed over the years as these breweries are opening in small towns, first how ubiquitous craft beer is and how big the demand is, but just also the the dynamic in opening in, in a small town. And I'm really excited for Paddlefish, and I haven't been, so I can't speak to the beer, but I hope, I hope it's great.
0: We should pick a Saturday and we should. go down there. We should. I Maybe on our fun. way to Shells where you've never been. That's true. That's also... A thing that we need to do yeah maybe there's in so the many spring. there's so many things so many places to go yes uh you know who is a proud gustavus alum uh i don't aaron ziert oh well that
1: checks out yeah. the running
0: yeah the running the early mornings he's like a modern day forest the exacting,
1: stump. yeah i yeah
0: yeah he's he's a he's a gusty yeah um He's a gusty with gusto. Um, <laughs> so, Paddle Fist just opened. I think yes. the only person that I know who has been is is our. Everybody knows Nikki. Yes. Uh, Nikki has uh, goes everywhere. Yeah. I think that she said that was her three hundred and twentieth. Oh really? Brewery I didn't visit. See that. I had the pleasure of seeing her the other night at Anthony's birthday. Yes. And that's always really cool. She's one of those.
1: Women about those, town. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, women about town, and not in the. Weird tax evading no. way, if you catch my drift. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> she's she's at all the brewery things. She has her like Tuesdays. She goes to Modest. Mm-hmm. I think today she was at Invictus. But she is just a Invictus. a good person. Lifts other people up, and she's such a such a fun. Yes. Like uh, I also think she's kind of a sassy lady.
1: Oh, she has opinions. <laughs> she's got. You've, but you've been to Hackamore.
0: Yeah. They're A new one this yep. year too. Yeah.
1: It feels like they've it feels like they've been there over a year already.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it was a big build-up. They had they had merch. You're right. You're right. At the 2022 Dabbler ABR or
1: ABR, okay.
0: Like they had a booth. So they're 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 somebody that and
1: you've been there. You've interviewed them.
0: Yep. Yeah, we did a podcast back. Well, it was right before they opened to yeah. the public. Um, kind of a kind of a a dream team of brewers. Mm-hmm. They got the. Head brewer from Pantown. And oh, the that's right. Former head brewer um, from Waconia. Yeah. And brought them all together. Well, so Zach Gleason and his brother Jake yes. own it. Yes. And their head brewer, Nick, is their cousin. Oh, yeah. So the name Hackamore I did know that it comes from like the street while. that their grandma's house was on. Yeah. And that was a big gathering place. But I think they're doing is a Hackamore a well. tree? I think so. Okay. Or that's, uh, I've
1: liked it. I, I mean, I think the few visits I've had, the <clears throat> beer has been very good. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a, It's an interesting layout. I like how they have different kind of formats of seating. I always yep. think that's really welcoming. The bar is a little clunky, which is funny. I saw someone comment on the infamous beer people the other day about oh, yeah. the bar and how kind of bottlenecked it is. But I've always sat at the bar and had a good experience. I like their, they kind of have little wacky food choices that aren't the usual. We had like our charcuterie board the other day. That was really nice.
0: And okay. it's a
1: little far for us to make it like a regular spot, but yeah. Rick and I have been and we like it.
0: Yeah. yeah out there in Chanhap. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Where
0: my sister lives out oh, in Chanhassen. Know, right? Yep. So, I mean, I get out there every now and again. I've only been once, um, but I, I enjoyed it. It's cool. It's a big, spacious place. Mm-hmm. The beers are solid. Yeah, the beers are good. Um, I, I I wanted to get out there because the Salsa Collaborative was doing like a residency out there. The what? Salsa Collaborative.
1: I'm in a hot sauce exchange. I don't know about the Salsa Collaborative. <laughs> well,
0: it's a... Let's they swap do Salsa burgers. Secrets, Dan. They do, I'm assuming, salsa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I don't know if it's the condiment or the dance, but either way... Uh, saw a lot of pictures of their food and oh. it looks insanely okay. delectable. Okay, great. So so Hackamar is off to a good start. Yeah. Um Wandering Leaf. Yes, we both St. Paul. Yeah, we went right away. And that's right. we enjoyed it. And I have I was just there last Tuesday. Yeah. I had a Mexican lager. How was it? It was delicious. La Hoya. I'm sure that's right. H-O-J-A.
1: I oh believe. yeah, Hoya.
0: Um, yeah, that was good. And then I they had a rye uh, brown. Oh, nice. So I, any, anytime you put rye in a beer, I'm a. And big they have a fan really cool
1: space, and they're attached to a really <clears throat> interesting restaurant, and they're in an area with not a lot of other breweries. So
0: yeah, which is so odd. My grandparents grew up in uh, like well, they didn't grow up in Highland Park, but I grew up going to their house. I mean, in they're Highland like Park.
1: very far west, though, right? Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, almost they're, to Fort Snelling.
0: Exactly, yeah, it's like the, the furthest end of West 7th yeah. before it turns into Highway 5. That's right, um, cool space, and then a lot of plants, a lot of plants, and the plants are growing in like I know, they're, they're really cool. Very I lush. just I really like it there. I love so Wandering Leaf and Heavy Rotation, both have lots of green in their tap mm. rooms, and I really like that. I'm
1: going to Heavy Rotation tomorrow.
0: Oh, you're in for a treat. I love yeah. their beers,
1: yeah. I've only yeah. been once and it was. Yeah, I could, like there was nowhere we were standing.
0: That's another place where it's like that. They get so much support from their local community. Yeah, um, which is which is fun. But Wandering Leaf, I I really like the beers that I've had there. Um, some of my favorite ones. They did a New Zealand Pilsner. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But then the Mexican lager was really good. Also, the owners. Uh, Rob and mm-hmm. Matt, they, I recorded a podcast there yeah. over the summer and we played this interesting, uh, it was like a hybrid version of disc golf where you shotgun to hams yes. and crushed it with your foot and then stood in a line and tried to like toss it into it's like a the biathlon. five gallon pail. Yes. Um, so I've done that twice.
1: Is there a name for that game?
0: Um, mistake. Something hams toss. I'm guessing, but that's, that's fun. I think all but one time I've been there, one of the two, sometimes both have been there in the tap room. That is nice. That's really fun. Um, You know, if you want to hear more about their story, go to a and (laughs) find the, find the interview. You don't
1: have to be embarrassed (laughs) on plugging your own podcast on your own podcast.
0: So I think Wandering Leaf is doing really well. Uh, Hackamore is doing really well, mm-hmm. um, according to Nikki. The beers at Paddlefish were solid. Great. Um, then we talked about this one last year too. Railworks. Yeah, what the They're heck? They're still not open.
1: Columbia Heights. What a great location. I mean, <coughs> I don't yeah. know anything about it, so I really don't have a lot to add to this conversation. But yeah, yeah you're right. They've been saying that they are going to open for like more for than a several year. years.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's going like so. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, one thing that you mentioned, and I totally this was. Not quite on my radar But Botany Brew Farm. Do you want to talk yeah. about
1: that? Yeah, Botany Brew Farm. I mean, they're not like open-open to the public, meaning like they're not open every day. Um, but yeah, Joe Elton, who was the founder and first editor-in-chief of The Growler, has bought what used to be Dave's Brew Farm, which had a little bit of a cult following. Um, it's just outside of New Richmond, Wisconsin. So if you're visiting oh, other okay. kind of brewery... I mean, kind of. If you're visiting other breweries in western Wisconsin, if you're going to like... Um, Oliphant or um, gonna like go to forty fifth parallel. It's kinda right in that little zone over there. Um so a little bit north of Hudson. Um Anyway, I don't really know exactly the details on the um, kind of schedule to be of more of a regular um, taproom or brewery, but I know that Joe's had some events out there with some chefs and kind of uh, has done some collaborations. One was with one of my favorite breweries in Menominee called Nonick, and they did a collaboration beer release. So I'm just looking forward to what he has in store, and um, I think it's such a different model. I think the whole idea of a farmhouse or farm brewery it's much more common in other parts of the country, and I'm surprised it's not as common here. Uh, you don't really see that, but I know when I've traveled out to, like, around the D.C. area when I was out there with Beer Now, yeah. we visited a number of farm breweries, and it's just such a pleasant experience. It's more like visiting a winery. You know, you go and you kind of walk the grounds, and you right. spread out, and you kind of have a picnic. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to what he does, and... I happened to run into him when I was out there visiting a pizza farm, um, and it just seems like it's just such a different change of pace to own a brewery out in the country as opposed to kind of doing the day to day craziness of a tap room in the city. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm happy for him.
0: Do You think that's what Dangerous Man will eventually do? I do. I think that would be really cool.
1: I do. I mean, they I think have whatever a farm. they do will right.
0: be really cool. But
1: yeah, I think that's what they want to do. I don't. I'm sure. I'm sure it's very challenging. But um, yeah, I think so. I don't yeah. think we've seen the last of Robin and Sarah and Dangerous Man still exists as a brand, but I am yeah. looking forward
0: to what. Oh, they do very next. much so. I mean, yeah. they're they're everywhere now. Yeah, people the, are so excited, and their cans are so eye catching and really do jump off the shelf. Totally, idea. the um, branding is great. So you know that that's a you know I'm going to make a mental note. Someday I should do. Uh, we should get a couple people who design can art together and have a conversation about that because I think there's probably a lot of science. Behind yeah. that, and you I should don't also know. get
1: someone who makes glasses and find out how they get the can out of the glass.
0: Well, I'm that's already <laughs> on my <laughs> one of the no, irons I, think, I shoved I think in the fire. The design is, is fascinating, I yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, um, one so let's okay. Here we are in, in the, early, the early part, quarter one of 2024. Mm-hmm. What are some of your hopes, and maybe what's a prediction you have for 2024, <laughs> either in beer or some other? yeah facet of life
1: i mean my hope is a lot more drinkable beers and i i know we say every year i've been saying it for like four years i feel like everyone says it's the year of the lager every year and i'm not saying it has to be lager but i i do like variety and i like to see styles that are a little bit more classic and um I know it's hard. I know that breweries are trying to really appeal to consumers, and they're trying to make beers that are really noteworthy and release, you know, these crazy, um, whether it's something barrel aged or something hazy. But I do think it it starts to become a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy when breweries are only putting out these quote unquote hyped styles of beers. Um, while at the same time saying that customers really don't uh, demand other types of beers like brown ales or Vienna lagers or you name Dortmunders, you know, you name it. I think the consumer kind of has a taste that is a product of what's out there. And the more that these hypey beers get marketed, the more popular they are. And so, you know, it's kind of reminds me of the other day when Rick saw a post about, you know, the restaurants that are the most anticipated in 2024. And it's like, well, you, you just made them the most anticipated restaurants in 2024 by, by pushing it that way. And yeah, it's going to be a, it's a push and pull all the time, but I think brewers want to make classic styles. Um, it's just a matter of the the fear that they won't sell. So I do have to chuckle every time someone releases a brown ale. That's always the name is always like a crack at a brown ale. Like yeah. was it Drecker? Somebody recently had a beer that was like nobody likes brown ale. Venn,
0: wasn't it Ven? Yeah, Venn. Yeah.
1: But the other breweries have had them too. You're totally right. Where it's like yeah, nobody likes brown nails or brown here's our brown ale, who cares? And it's like that's often one of the best beers on the menu. So yeah. if we could just, you know, kind of change our mindset. And that's related to my other hope, which is more kind of pub culture. Yeah. Like the idea of being able to go to What does
0: that mean? Yeah. What is, I mean, what is pub culture?
1: I think it's kind of the idea of being able to have a familiar place where you go. And if we're gonna set the idea of a brewery aside and talk about kind of a brew pub or a restaurant, it's to me, it kind of usually the focus is more imports, either more British or Irish beer or um, kind of things that are separate from the craft beer scene. I love when restaurants have local beer. I always seek it out either here or when I travel. But um, I think imports are really the backbone of how a lot of people got into beer. And so I'd like to see a little bit more. Um, Homage, homage, or respect paid to kind of those classical styles. Because if we're not going to brew them, it'd be nice <clears> to right. bring in those styles from other people. They're so food
0: when, friendly. is there is anybody so doing that around here?
1: I mean, I you mentioned Yorg. Yorg, um, I think Yorg is not a good mine, example, but that's York really, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of takes it to an extreme almost because Yorg is so. They're getting so many excellent imports you know mainly from belgium but other other
0: places too yeah Um, and their food is really good too. it's
1: very good and it works with their it makes sense with what they're serving in terms of beer and i think when i go to a irish pub or a pub that's you know like brits or something that's more uk focused and you look at the beer list and they don't have a lot of those beers it's a little bit of a letdown yeah. I think it just speaks to that idea of having an identity and giving consumers a choice. I would be more than happy to go to Brits and order a Summit EPA because I know it's going to be a quality beer, but if I'm ordering, you know, bangers and mash, I kind of want I kind of want Fuller's ESB.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I told you before we recorded the other day I was at Merlin's Rest on Lake and 36th, which is one of my favorite yeah. places to go. They I really like that bar. Yeah. Um, that's where they, they'll always have Fuller's ESB. And when the kind of temperature turns down a little bit, they'll have Fuller's Port London Porter. Mm-hmm. And the bartender said, well, you know, you might want to get the London Porter now because after we're out of kegs of it, they're not going to be like really yeah. selling it to the United States anymore. That's a bummer. Which I thought was weird because it's kind of like, I don't know, kind of a, a very iconic beer. It but, is. But like you say, and I think it's like, you know, is, is the tail wagging the dog in this situation where, like, breweries are telling us what to drink yeah. rather than us getting to choose? But if there's no choice, then it we're being funneled
1: totally into this thing. I mean, the, how many times have you gone to brewery where half the list is hazy IPAs and the other half I'll, is too many. pastry sours and pastry stout?
0: <clears throat> right. And I don't like those as much as I want to drink, like, a Vienna lager right. or a dark Czech lager. Yeah thank goodness i think that the pendulum is swinging back because mm. we've got places in the twin cities and beyond that are brewing them obviously they're not putting them in packaged product so i think maybe is that part of the issue whereas like if you go to the liquor store you see fewer styles in in cans and bottles yeah um whereas if you go to the tap room like you know, um Modest is gonna be releasing a Dortmunder soon. You're right. I mean that's so, I mean
1: that's like Fulton. I mean whenever <coughs> I go to Fulton I always get um, you know, some taproom only release, they're really good about that, about having styles that you can only get there. And I think even big, like national brands, like if you go to Deschutes or Sierra Nevada, like they're going to have a lot of beers on that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and again, I, I really, it's not that I discourage ingenuity or creativity. I love to see, you know, kind of what happens in trends in beer. Like I think the whole idea of, um, Cold IPAs is really interesting, yep. and um, I think we're seeing a little bit of a mini resurgence of black IPAs and black lagers. So. Oh,
0: definitely. Um,
1: but I just the I think variety is key to inclusivity, and I think variety is really key to the health of beer as a beverage because it's yep. those classic styles are really well understood and they make sense for pairing. Um, it's not as exciting to have to look at a shelf of you know only three different styles and try to decide what's going to go with. Boof for example.
0: Yeah, because it's the, not a triple IPA, is what <laughs> I've heard. Usually not. Well, yes, I like the jet fuel quality of this <laughs> ale, and uh, um yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I but do. I think
1: that overlaps with my uh, my second wish oh. uh, is um, more of a culinary approach to beer and food. I think when craft beer, the this current very long wave of craft beer, if you will, from the maybe, I don't know, mid-2000s on. When it started, I think there was a lot of focus on food and beer and beer pairing. If you look at books like The Brewmaster's Table and some of those other classics, The Oxford Companion to Beer, you know, it talks a lot about beer and food together. And I do think that's really important because it is a culinary product and I miss... Um, kind of those old classic beer dinners or um, restaurants that are taking much more of a pairing approach to beer. And I hope we see a little bit more of that because I think beer is very food-friendly, can be very food-friendly, and maybe that is one solution to um, kind of the dwindling uh, popularity of some tap rooms.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think think food can be a a gateway for somebody who doesn't think they like beer because... I mean, all of us have been in the situation where you've had like the right beer paired with like the right food, oh, and it's totally. like, whoa, this so is memorable a flavor, um, yeah. You know, explosion. Yeah, I'll never forget one of those. Um, it was one of those like preview for barrel aged? Oh, at Town Hall huh? when like they give you like little like a little plate of different like mm-hmm. chocolate chips, some like roasted nuts and mm-hmm. different things, and it's like. I think it was Michael Agnew was like, yeah, try the ETW with this like roasted pecan and yeah. you'll get like crispy Thanksgiving turkey skin. I'm yeah. like, what? How That's does that even so work? Yeah, that kind
1: of experimentation really excites me.
0: But don't you think like a lot of those food pairing opportunities used to happen at like craft beer bars yeah. and now those have really kind of fallen by the wayside. And even
1: restaurants that were really craft beer focused, like yep. I know a lot of people went to the beer dinners at um Happy Gnome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's I I saw on Facebook the other day there was an advertisement for like an upcoming beer battle between Urban Growler and Lupulin. Yes. And I was like Oh, that'd be really cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so those are still happening, but I feel like it's like not as well known. I don't know how many other people know that those things are happening. And that's yeah. a really fun experience. I went to a couple of the ones at the Happy Gnome and it was a, it was really wild to see what they would do yeah. with the beers and the food. Yeah. And so I mean through Houndstooth, you all right. do that so well. Yeah,
1: I love watching you know, I love doing a a pairing, you know, a coursed Meal with different pairings And a lot of times people aren't so sure About beer pairings Or yeah. they think they want just wine Or they give us the total um, creative control But I usually tend to do a variety Because I try to pick the beverage That works the best with that dish And a lot of times it could be beer or wine So it's nice to have that variety But yeah, as it gets harder to find You know, one of my go-tos for pairability Was definitely Anchor Steam And mm-hmm. as it gets harder to find those classic styles It's, it's just tricky
0: yeah. What's a what's a what's a good beer pairing that people could try to start off the 2024 new year?
1: Um I think, you know, because we've been talking about the popularity of IPAs because they're so easy to find, I think two pairings with IPAs that people don't think about are IPAs with spicy food. So that could be Indian, like curries go really well with a lot of West Coast style IPAs. Um or a really fun kind of unknown hidden gem is um, IPA with carrot cake and I I have done it before at an event where we had to make a gluten-free carrot cake and it was delightful and pairing it with the IPA really worked well
0: okay talk me through that pairing (laughs) I
1: don't don't have I don't know a lot of the science behind it but I think it has to do with kind of the sweetness of the carrots and kind of the interplay between that maltiness uh, and the the kind of the bake on the cake I think it it plays up the maltiness of the IPA and actually restrains the bitterness wow. without competing with it. Huh. Yeah.
0: I'm going to Whereas IPA with to spicy food cake. is more
1: of a matched pairing where they're both really powerful on the palate.
0: Wow, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. For example, as my husband just said, that pairing was with Sam Smith's IPA, which oh, okay. is a British India Pale Ale. Yeah. So and not, that's be more not even f- as fo- like floral, exactly and earthy, not even as hoppy as American, but I think it would work with an American too.
0: <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. See, this is this is why we need these styles to stick around. <laughs> yes. So people can make carrot cake great again, as they Indeed. as they say. Yeah. That's one of my uh, my dad it loves carrot cake. Oh yeah. does he like IPA? Uh, no. Okay, too bad. But I I think I figured (laughs) out a way to get get them aboard that ship. Uh, one of my hopes, you want to know one of my hopes for 2024 is I want, um, like kind of like what you said, I want more, more breweries to kind of like, and I know this is hard. It's, it's always easier to spend somebody else's money. Um, but I, I would love to see. Again, a resurgence of some styles that maybe people are forgetting about. Yeah. But kind of akin with the idea of wanting like low A B V beers so you yes. can go and like sit around with your friends or just go by yourself and make some new friends. Yeah. But like bring back some of those like like British style beers that are very balanced when it comes to certain flavors, um, but very low Mm -hmm. on the alcohol scale, you know, um, more of those things, more kind of classic historic styles. Um, I think every, every brewery should just have like a little teeny tiny pilot system where they can just like have like one devote one tap to a style that in its heyday was very popular, but has like, for whatever reason, fallen by the wayside. I think that would be great because I do think, as you mentioned earlier, I think that craft beer is in danger of losing its way if all of those styles that initially got all the craft beer geeks fired up about craft right. beer go away and people think like, oh, yeah, you know, like they used to brew in Belgium, this uh, triple IPA with dry hopped <laughs> with 30 pounds of Sabro okay. is like, well, no, 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 that's not how it works. Yeah. But I, I, I'd i like to see that.
1: And I mean, uh, craft beer got its start because people wanted variety. Yeah. They didn't want to keep drinking. It's American so funny. white lagers. Yeah. Look what happened. Not to Here say that there's are. no variety, but it is. Yeah. I mean, there are places that are doing it right, I think, of like bad weather. Yes. I wonder if you talk to Andy or the folks at Bad Weather, if they would say they're losing money by doing heritage loggers.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I, Who I else, would, where
1: else do you see those kind of beers? Nowhere.
0: And I think that's really, <laughs> like, nobody's doing that. And because Andy is, here's the other thing. I think it's like, it's like with anything. If you set out to do something to make money, you're missing the point. Yeah, it's kind of like we talked about um, earlier on in the conversation. We talked about Lakes and Legends closing Clutch, Clutch another one. Yeah. You know who through Clutch no fault and, of their Clutch own, Clutch and
1: East Lake share yeah. a bit of a problem. Well, right, kind of in that they were in in an environment. How do we explain this? One, you know, East Lake was in Midtown Global Market. Yep. And Clutch was in a newer food hall, old building,
0: yeah. new food hall. Yeah, the Kagan Cave. And
1: that's a little bit. That's a little bit tricky.
0: Well, yeah, because you have no control over what happens. I mean, yeah, you could have gone into Keg and Case in the last year and you know had a lot of fun with Echo right. because nothing else is in there. I
1: know, and it started out so great. Yeah, they had a, they had
0: a lot of things, yeah. but one thing I think that, and this is this is one thing I I think the Midtown Global Market, where if I was like, if you had the right brewery go in there, it would be perfect yeah. because you have at your fingertips, almost every cuisine right. you could want. And you could really lean into that as far as like beers that you brew to kind of go along with different things. I mean, IPA is like mm-hmm. educate the patrons coming in. If you want this, go get some spicy food. Right. If you want this, go get, you know, there were all sorts of different flavors and textures available there. Whereas like with kick and Case, you had a lot of boutique kind of level places. Yeah. They had a, a place to get, like, heirloom honey and, right. like, mushrooms. mushrooms. And it's like, but you're you're in West 7th, on West 7th right. Street, which is a very blue-collar blue collar. neighborhood. And I think they were banking on people coming into town. being a destination, yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's not sustainable. Yeah. Like, if they would have put... If they would have really highlighted and celebrated some of the local mom and pop places in that area that were right. doing well, I think it would have been a whole different thing. I also think that the property managers of Keg and Case were kind of moronic <laughs> in that sense because it's like I could have told you that that wasn't a great idea. Right. And so like if you can't have if you can't bring people in, a brewery's going to fail no matter how good their beer is. And that's
1: why I do I feel badly for Coach and uh, in in similar way, Eastlake, just knowing the limitations they had with mm-hmm. being in the midtown global market, the space, the water that like I just heard it was just very limiting to yeah. what they couldn't couldn't do. So yeah. anyway, that was a distraction from your dreams. You can go back to them. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, I just I want to I want to see more styles available because I think that people are being more selective with how they drink and how they like allocate their resources to going out. And I think if pe- there's there's right now this idea that craft beer is really just three styles, yeah. and that's that's not true. Obviously, yeah. we know that. But um, I also would like to kind of continue to see. Um, I would love it if there could be some way to get Winterfest to come back, because oh, <laughs> yeah. it, it was such a fun thing, and I yeah. know that like beer festivals kind of across the nation are kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. I listen to. Um, A podcast the other day on good beer hunting about kind of like the 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 woe of of you know beer festivals and people not doing those as much there's not as much of a desire yeah
1: um
0: but i think part of the issue is like as i was listening to the podcast they were talking about like the festival of uh aged, aged barrel-aged beers that Fobab Mm -hmm. in Chicago, you know, used to be in a much smaller venue and now it's in a bigger place and they don't sell out the tickets as fast. I was like, well...
1: Take it back to a smaller venue. Hey,
0: you know, back when I operated a lemonade stand on (laughs) 199 East Thompson, we had max capacity of two people. people. There was a line out the door. Now, Mm -hmm. when I decided to move my venue to the Civic Center... Well, within five minutes of opening my doors, I realized that was a mistake. So it's like, you know, like maybe... I think sometimes with like things like that, the uh impetus is on growing totally where it's like let's create an experience right and let's let's create like i mean a- even the
1: Girl Scouts know that lim- a limited a limited number of available whatever it is creates supply and demand by
0: Girl Scouts, do you mean organized crime um, <laughs> Because uh, last I checked, when you're charging 750 dollars for three and a half cookies, that's illegal. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. But I you mean, buy
1: them, right? Well, of course. Exactly.
0: And I think the biggest thing that nobody's talking about when, um, you know, we, we've all heard about, like, you know, Ponzi schemes and, like, government regulation and tax breaks. But, like, when Aldi, I believe the Girl Scouts of America sent over a few uh, a few uh, grunts to to talk to Aldi because yeah. Aldi used to have their brand of Thin Mints. What? And they tasted almost exactly the same for oh $179 a knots pack. Somebody knocks together at Aldi. Funny, yeah. Somebody sent a Sicilian message with like a, I don't know, yeah. a bunch of crushed up cookies in a sack, and all of a sudden <laughs> there's no, you can't get those anymore. It's like I used to go through a lot of those. But.
1: That brings up an interesting point. Not about cookies so much, but about money. Do you think that there is like a breaking point of what a consumer is willing to pay for a pint of beer? Absolutely. Do you think that that has contributed to people going out less?
0: I, yes. I mean... I also think it's a gatekeeping thing. Okay. okay, It's like... A- <laughs> I could go on. I could do a podcast about this. I
1: opened a can of worms.
0: Yeah. No, I think it. So the other day I saw that other half from Chicago Mm -hmm. opened up a, uh, or other half from New York.
1: Other half is in New York, yes. Yes.
0: They opened up a Chicago taproom. Oh, okay. Do you want to guess how much money they are charging for a pint of beer?
1: Like regular beer?
0: Yeah, regular beer.
1: $9. You want to take another guess? $11.
0: You want to take another
1: guess?
0: $14. Take another guess.
1: You're not serious.
0: Sixteen dollars a pint.
1: Would did it would it make you sing really well?
0: I mean, I don't know. Because I'd pay for it then. <laughs> Sixteen dollars a pint.
1: That's too much money. That's, that's almost double what insane. I mean. That's over double what most places are charging.
0: Yeah. You could you could you could go drink two beers or pay your internet bill. Exactly. Like that's insane. Yeah. So I understand. The cost of doing business, all the supplies you have up. to pay your staff and everything, but that is just egregious. Yeah, and I think there what are we are, at the airport? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did Seinfeld say? Like seventeen dollars. I think that's fair for a tuna sandwich. <laughs> 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 like, you know, it's like it's crazy. And so, like, if you you you're almost like on one side, one side of your mouth, you're talking. We want to make craft beer less snobby more accessible Mm -hmm. but then you've got places charging sixteen dollars for a pilsner that's insane yeah that's absolutely ridiculous so but because there are those like like people who are willing to pay it's what the market will bear and so i think there needs to be some level of transparency when it comes to like okay so breweries are charging this much right
1: are you paying your staff a living what, wage?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Because I, I don't know if that's necessarily happening. Right. Now, now, some places, like I mentioned Prize earlier on, they are transparent about yeah. that. They're like, we're building in this like... Right.
1: Are they in no tipping?
0: <clears throat> no tipping. Yeah, that's what I thought. So yeah. they, they put in whatever the yeah. 18% for...
1: Health and wages. And health and wages
0: and everything. Yeah. And, that, and that's fine. Yeah, sure. But then I wonder, I saw a bottle of their pumpkin carving or whatever it is they're barrel-aged pumpkin beer on an end cap at that. the Cub Liquor Store. Was that store. from this year? Yeah, oh. for twenty nine
1: ninety nine. At the liquor store for
0: 29 At the liquor 99. store for 29 Now, huh. you look at that and you say, okay, that's a pretty spendy bottle of yeah, beer for right. a style that... It's a
1: special occasion beer. A
0: lot of people don't love. <laughs> right. Because... You know, I could also do a podcast on The Unfair Hatred of Pumpkin Beers, yes. but I'm not going to. That so would you're really charging, be seasonal creep if we started talking that, about pumpkin beers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're charging that much for, for, a, for a bottle of beer. And, and I know they're like, Idle Forest beers are yeah. insanely expensive. Yeah, Are they, where's that money going? Right. What's that cost? I mean, I know obviously when you're talking about like spontaneous fermentation and different things and aging, there's a upfront cost of barrels and things like that. But it just seems excessive because I know that there are other quality, um, quality sour beer programs in the state that are, you know, aging their beer on really high quality fruit in barrels uh, that are not charging $50 $50 a bottle. Yeah. So yeah, the, where's I that mean, money the, go?
1: The range <laughs> of prices in beer right now if is...
0: you're If you're passing that 18% on to the customer... Yeah. So that you're... That's not in your budget. Right. Right? So where is... Why the high cost? Yeah. That's... These are questions I have. These are things that went from an accessibility standpoint... Mm-hmm. I wonder about. And I think there are... Yes. I mean, if you were in a metro area... That is densely populated. the The cost of a beer is going to be higher. And
1: if people are used to paying, you know, prices for wine or cocktails, maybe that won't look so high, right? But for people who are trying to get into beer or who are regular beer drinkers, it there has been a pretty steep incline in pricing.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. So it's all very interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see my 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 hope and you know for for the new year is like a kind of a, a return back to some of those different styles that got us all kind of into it. Um, My prediction for 2024 is that I think we're going to continue to see some places um, struggle. Some places maybe have to shift kind of like their plans to kind of match where the consumer is at. And I think we're going to see a lot more um, other options other than beer uh, sold uh, because that's kind of the, the key getting people in the door.
1: Have you been to Gambit?
0: I have, yeah. Have
1: you noticed that half their menu is co- like seltzer cocktails?
0: No. Oh, well, it is. Well, I haven't been since <laughs> I've been like April. three times. Okay.
1: Over the last. Have you
0: seen Brad? Yes, DJ that's Scali mainly Brad. why I go
1: there. Wiki, wiki, wiki. That's also why I'm going to have a rotation tomorrow.
0: Ah, um, okay.
1: Gambit has, I mean, I shouldn't say half their menu. I haven't done the math, but a significant number of, of cocktails that are made from like a neutral grain spirit, neutral grain, like a seltzer, like a new, like a neutral seltzer. What am I trying to say? Like a plain, unflavored seltzer. Okay. And then so they add ingredients to it. And it turns out to be like a cocktail, but it's not, it, it's not a distilled spirit as a base. Sure. Sure.
0: Um, is that kind of what um, Urban Growler did with their, kind of, didn't they have like a... Kind of,
1: but they had like a really high alcohol. They got some special permission, permission is the wrong word. They, got, they had to fight... Some laws, uh, papal
0: dispensation <laughs> to get
1: really high alcohol <laughs> seltzer basically to okay. be able to make. Yeah. yeah, I don't think this is necessarily high alcohol seltzer. Okay, but yeah, it's like a plain alcoholic LaCroix that then they can add flavors to. Okay, some I think have been more successful than others, but when you talk about more breweries offering products that are not traditional beers, that's one thing that I'm seeing too.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. it's interesting. There's, there's been a lot of things happening in the last year, and I'm really curious to see if how long this you know COVID pandemic hangover is going to be economically affecting yeah. places. Um, I, I would like to I mean, from a without any numbers to back it up, it just seems like when I go out to breweries, people are coming out. Yeah, you know there. The I've been to a lot of
1: very busy tap rooms <clears throat> in the last couple of weeks.
0: And uh, you know, so where was I just the other day? It was <laughs> you wouldn't know because you were you weren't there. <laughs> These uh, deep thoughts with Dan-phobia. Um Crap, where did I? <laughs> well, this let's is narrow it down. We'll Hotter, colder. Uh, there was a roof <laughs> and four walls. I believe they had running water. Um, good God, what is today? The fifth Friday, the fifth. Oh, the fifth. Mo- yeah,
1: you were at Modest Brewing. You were at.
0: Oh, was a dual citizen? No, never mind. It was a coffee shop, and it was this morning. I, I was making the Dan. <laughs> I was making the comment to Charles, I'm like, this place is really busy. This is good to good yeah. to hear because when I got no, there, no, but
1: it is good to see.
0: Yeah, so people yeah. are going out and you know enjoying different things. I just hope. I, I think like the takeaway, obviously, is. Support the places you like. Yeah, make sure they stick around. I think that there's a. As we've discussed, there are many reasons why a place might have to close down their tap room.
1: Right, and it may be um, voluntary. It may be a change in, in model, but yeah, it's yeah. you can't always assume that your favorite places are still going to be. Yeah,
0: because I think I think we do sometimes. And just just because a place has been around a long time yeah. doesn't mean they're 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 healthy. So, um, but oh, one thing I just want to shout out because it's one of my favorite. Beer events of the year. Yeah. The Town Hall Brewery. Yes. Barrel-aged event is taking place from February 12th to the 24th. That
1: always kind of sneaks up on me. Yeah. Because they have Anniversary Week and Barrel Week, and by gum, do I spend a lot of time there during those weeks?
0: I know. And it's time well spent. It is. As Abe Lincoln once said... I really do like that barrel-aged Czar Jack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I almost cracked a mole barrel uh, right before you got here, but oh, I was like, I'm going to save it for next mole. time we're together. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a this strange, um, what's the word? Prediction or conclusion? Super <laughs> It was a coffee shop, not a brewery. <laughs> right. I think there's been this prediction that consumers really want, really value like experiences over things. This isn't new. This probably started like... Yeah. Pre COVID. But you see it with like around holiday time when there's all this pressure to be buying things and people talk about they want experiences. And um, I think we've seen breweries try to leverage that. Like we've seen a lot of breweries host Yoga Day and Paint Your Pet Day and No Judgment because I just signed up for one of those. And I think we're going to see more breweries try to promote um, things to do. Because, like you said, you know, sitting, having a beer, Um, especially if it's like a high alcohol beer in a brewery is not, that's not really sustainable. Like we think about sessionable beers, part of being sessionable I think is capturing someone's attention and wanting people, someone wanting to stay. And I think because people aren't really overbooking themselves anymore, there is a desire to just spend more time in one place and really, um, and make it a quality experience rather than just jumping from one thing to the next. So I would love to see breweries incorporate more experiences that, that benefit their bottom line. I mean, I think bringing in someone who teaches yoga, that's a great idea, but better yet is probably doing something internally um, that all goes to support the brewery. And one experience that, (laughs) <laughs> comes to mind is I just recently, for the first time, went to this place called Unleashed Hounds and Hops. Ooh. I always want to say that backwards. Um, and it's not new. They opened in 2020, but they're right by the farmer's market. And it's an indoor dog park with a bar that's ex- entirely craft beer and food. And you go and you can let your dog blow off some steam and you can just get a beer and food and you can be away from the dog with the dog. but the, the, You know, you you can always see the little dog park, which is cool. Um, and I think that's a really creative model. And I think initially they wanted to be a brewery. I could be wrong, but, um, right now they're just serving other people's beer. So that's when one really good example of like leaning way into the idea of an experience over just a beer. Um, and I think we're going to probably see more of that, or we're going to see people lean into that more in order to survive. I'm trying to think of other really good examples. I got, I got one for you because
0: you jogged my memory. Um, and this didn't happen at a coffee shop. But 56 Brewing, they do a thing called the Winter Patio Pintometer. Oh. And what is the pintometer, you might ask? Well, starting annually on January 1, which was four days ago, yeah, as the temperature outside drops, mm-hmm. so does the price of 56 Brewing beer <laughs> if you drink your beers outside. So oh here's a little interesting thing. I'm looking at their website. They have a little a graphic of a thermometer, and so like the if the price, uh, the temperature, um, let's say Dan it is, carry the one. Oh yeah, let's see. The Kelvin. temperature is uh 724 <laughs> degrees. No, um, so the normal like price of a point price of a pint is six dollars. But if the temperature was like 18 degrees it would be like four and a half dollars okay and so on and so forth but it gets down to like you know here i'll show you the the graphic you'll kind of see what i'm podcast. talking about yeah this is a podcast but people can go to 56brewing.com and check it out and get oh, the I details see.
1: sebastian joe's ice cream shop used to do that <clears throat> okay yes. ice cream and who wants to eat it in the winter
0: yeah so that's like a new kind yeah. of a fun thing or
1: like forgotten star has outdoor like curling yes um
0: they even have a, a bond spiel, right? Or yeah. no, that's a uh, no. Sociable does a Bonspiel, yes? Don't they?
1: Curling um, rinks, Canadian. Yeah. What are they called? Curling. Yeah. Okay, all right, yeah.
0: there we go. Yeah. So I
1: miss though. I miss that. Like I used to be in a bocce league at the Nomad, and I I kind of miss that like regular yeah. reason to go do something. So I yeah, I just encourage breweries to. Lean I want to say the heavy idea.
0: rotation has an indoor bags league.
1: Really? Where in the There's winter? So no I there.
0: know it is a small place. Maybe I'm getting the place Maybe wrong. Maybe they
1: have another. Do they have another room?
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. But, like, yeah, breweries need to lean into that. Or
1: you mentioned uh, prize, they have that feather bowling thing. That's
0: true. Yeah. That's true. You can, uh, yeah. And or I like think
1: town hall is town hall
0: lanes. And, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, finding different ways to get people in, like yoga. A lot of trivia, a lot of drag yeah, bingo. Yeah,
1: trivia, drag bingo. I know bingo, that, like, dual citizen pet.
0: on Monday nights, they'll do drag bingo, and that's a big hit. They do that at Wandering Leaf too. Yeah,
1: or some people do and drag fair brunches. State, which is cool. and, yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot of fun stuff. So, well, you know, we're uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, <laughs> just as we get twenty twenty four going, we're gonna wind down this uh, this uh, kind of year in review, look forward episode of a one pint stand Paige, Thank you so much. Thanks
1: for having me. For
0: letting me bring my. Uh, mobile podcasting podcast situation equipment. here. Uh, yeah, this this old mixer <laughs> this could tell tell stories.
1: Prediction for twenty twenty four.
0: Yeah, it's we're down to like two microphone things. I gotta yeah, I gotta I gotta get on Amazon when <laughs> I get home. So um, hopefully your new year is to all. Well, I used to say all seven, but I think we're up to nine subscribers. Listeners. You know we've we've added Kayla. Uh, I know that Nikki listens a lot. Sarah mm-hmm. listens a lot. So we, you know, it used to just be Charles and his uh, six other ghost accounts. But now we're we're getting. How about there.
1: how about um, any? Do any of your family members listen? You know, I'm not sure. Sorry, is that a sore spot.
0: Yeah, no, it's <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, we're either going to talk about politics or, or my last podca- podcast podcast right. episode. Politics, it is okay. Um, <laughs> I think some of them might listen. I don't know. Good. I think it's people have told me that you know you have a good good podcast voice.
1: How do you know how many people subscribe if they're on various platforms?
0: That's the that's the that is the sixty four thousand dollar question. Okay. I can see who like follows me on Spotify, but beyond that, it's a it's a big crapshoot. So, Got it. You know, well,
1: maybe you have more followers than you think.
0: I hope. I hope uh, you know. And uh, next time
1: we should record at Paddlefish.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. We could we could get on the horn. Maybe uh, have Aaron's, on the road on the horn. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Actually, Aaron I think knows somebody who started it. Oh. So I could. Well, ask you're him. famous enough. You I know. ask him, and maybe he'll. I bet he would come down there with us.
1: He's from Gustavus. He I mean, went to Gustavus.
0: Yes. He's <laughs> This has been another episode of a one pine stand. I I like doing this. I hope we can start like this tradition. And this is the second second year in a row where we've gotten together and talked about like predictions and looking back and looking forward. So this is always really fun to sit down. I like that your sign off has
1: become a bit of a Minnesota goodbye.
0: Yes, that's just, well, you know, speaking of my family, <laughs> they indoctrinated me at an early years. They, although they called it a Bobian goodbye.
1: Well, that might be a whole other level.
0: Yeah, and it was a lot more, yeah, the just sun comes standing up. around. Well, I suppose <laughs> everybody's slapping their, their their upper thigh and <laughs> meandering towards the door. So we're going to do the same. This has been another episode of A One Pint Stand. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> And with that, we are at the close of another episode of A One Pint Stand. Anytime I get to hang out with Paige, I am reminded of how lucky I am to know such a wonderful soul. Paige is just so much fun to be around. The laughter is plentiful, and we always find some wonderful beers to drink. As you heard, the conversation is effortless and really exciting. I hope you enjoyed our look back on 2023 and our look forward to 2024. Like we said, craft beer is in a little bit of a tight spot right now, but there's no reason to panic. Uh, what I would suggest is get out to your local favorites, support them, buy some merch, get a hat, buy some crawlers, buy some four packs now that you can do that. Um, especially during January and February, which are traditionally slower months, uh, consider... Maybe making a few extra stops by if you're doing uh, dry January and they don't have any options, maybe get a gift card or something or consider doing the pub January like Jeff Allworth suggests on his blog. I can't believe it has been a whole year of a one pint stand episodes. I'm looking forward to some really fun interviews that are going to be coming up in 2024. As always, I continue to be humbled by the notion that people are taking time to listen to a one-pint stand. I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart. I just love sharing my energy and passion for connecting with craft beer with others. And I'm really grateful that you took time to listen. So, until next time, this has been a one-pint stand. A Minnesota craft beer podcast where the pants stay on, but the caps come off. Cheers.
1: Other industries.
0: Jim Bob Cooter's furniture upholstery services down the road. Uh,
1: But I think it's also because what other industry... Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but what other industry has cropped up so quickly with almost exclusively small businesses and has served a product that really has to be either sold across a bar or sold in a three-tier system? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just unique. Beer is unique in that way that... um, I can't I can't think of another industry
0: that's Saltwater taffy in the early eighties, but then that, <laughs> that became Rollerblades! That became exactly.